guys, uh, welcome in to the this episode of the Longhorn live stream. I'm with uh, Jerry Hamilton, who is on his video phone, on his phone right now. <laughs> video, there he is. Uh, Blake Monroe, uh, someone, some of you guys may remember Blake used to write for Inside Texas, as well as Hook'em.com. How you doing, Blake? How you doing, doing Jerry? Doing good. Jerry, you okay there? I, I, I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm at the uh, McDonald's All-America game, but I actually am at the girls' game before the guys' game. Uh, but I got the, I went to the team hotel today and got a good interview with Ron Holland, which is up on Inside Texas. Uh, he's going to be a really good ambassador for Texas basketball, Texas sports. So uh, those of you not on Inside Texas, get over there and read that interview. He knows Malik Muhammad, Jonte Cook, Colin Simmons. So it was a pretty good interview with Ron today. Hey, Jerry, a, a question for you about that. Um, the girls game, any girls, any Texas uh, girls participating? Uh, the, yeah, uh, uh, Madison Booker, number 12 ranked uh, girl in the country. She's out of Mississippi. Uh, she's going to bring some needed athleticism to the Texas women's team. Uh, kind of a combo forward that will play power forward, but uh, athletic enough. She's switching on ball screen. She can switch defensively. So she's going to bring a uh, a lot of versatility to Texas. And, by the way, the girls going to LSU, all of them are really good. <laughs> oh, really? So Kim Mulkey is not going – after moving on from Baylor, is still going – uh, her way. Hey, Jerry, what about uh, real quick? And I know you're you're at that game. So uh, preview Ron Holland for us for tonight, for those of you guys uh, wanting to watch him. Yeah, Ron has um, made a massive jump from junior to senior year. And look, he's been a five-star prospect all along, but he's now got a perimeter game. He's got confidence shooting the ball. He made six threes in a scrimmage a couple days ago. And this is best on best now. I mean, LeBron's sitting down here, Bronny James, all these kids are in the game. It's a best-on-best game, McDonald's game. Uh, But he is much more confident pulling up off the dribble from three, shooting, catch and shoot from three, putting the ball on the floor and attacking in straight-line drives. He has vastly improved in those areas from junior to senior year. And it's interesting because it's been a disrupted season at Duncanville. But he said that actually helped him today because he got to put in time, a lot of time on the court, um, with his Duncanville coaches and put in just a lot of time working on his game. Uh, and he is a vastly improved player. He's six, six and a half. He's not as big as he's listed. He's not six, eight, uh, but he's six, six and a half. He's got a pro future. He's got an NBA future. It'll be interesting to see if it's two years or one year. I kind of lean to two, but we'll see. Hey, Jerry, and want to ask you this question real quick. Um, how good is Ron Holland comparing to another incoming freshman as far as the level of impact you think he will make? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think you, you got to go back to maybe, and I'm not saying he's going to be this good, but, you know, you're Tristan Thompson-level guys. Um, I think I think Ron's got a chance to be a double-figure scorer next year um, because he's going to be playing with experienced guards. And different than Dylan Mitchell, he's got more of a perimeter game, and he's not coming into a team with Timmy Allen already on it which I think really impacted Dylan Mitchell not really having as much uh, opportunity offensively. I think Ron's going to have opportunity offensively, um, and he's going to defend. He's going to fight for rebounds. Uh, but I think you're looking at a guy who could average 10 points, 11 points, maybe six rebounds a game. Uh, but what he, what's really going to help him make an impact, Bobby Blake, is, you know, look, he, he doesn't come from a losing program. He comes from a winning program with demands on the defensive end. And I think that's going to help him greatly as a freshman. Because so many of these kids, 
they don't play a lot of defense in high school, and that's the first thing they have to learn is to drop their butt, drop, bend their knees, and defend. He's already been doing that for three years at Duncanville, four years in that program. I think that's going to put him ahead of the curve. Got it. All right, Jerry, we're going to let you go. We appreciate you, bud. Uh, you have a good one the rest of the way. Enjoy the game. Give us a report on Ron, Ron Holland tomorrow for the site, okay? All right, thank you, guys. Y'all have a good one. All right, you have a good one, buddy. See you, Jerry. All right. uh, hey, Blake Monroe joining me here uh, the rest of the way. Uh, Blake and I uh, go way back. We've uh, worked together before uh, over at hook'em.com. He's also written for Inside Texas back in the early teens, I think. 2000, yeah, that area, 10, yeah, 12, yeah that, that area, 2008, 2009. Yeah, it's been a while. All right, so this is what I want to say about Blake Monroe, guys. Uh, Blake is going to be our West Texas guy, uh, compared to Justin Wells's East Texas plane. <laughs> you can already hear the difference in, in what the Blake does, but one of the things I do know about Blake is he's a big time UT follower fan, uh, has covered the Longhorns professionally. Uh, he's been in private business for a while now, uh, but also continues to do a radio show there. Is it in Comanche or where is it exactly that you're at nowadays? Yeah, yes, sir. It, it's it's in Comanche. So little high school football and uh, coaches shows and, and things like that. So still on the radio, still sticking with football. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Texas football, what Blake wants to know about. Uh, you know, have Blake ask me some questions, perhaps, because Blake hasn't been to practice and hasn't done that. But he also follows the Longhorns religiously. Um, and so he's one of those guys that uh, even when he hasn't been working in the business, he's texted me and asked me stuff. And we've talked before. So I think it's a, a good guy uh, to really have around and, and talk, talk to. We're also going to be taking y'all's questions tonight, talk a little recruiting action uh, and things like that, as well as Rodney Terry uh, getting the new job uh, and a little bit of a spring practice update uh, from today, the Longhorns back at it on the gridiron. Before we do any of that, though, I want to say thank you uh, to our sponsor, uh, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is by Texans for Texans. When you call Energy Texas, uh, you're calling people from the state of Texas, not back east, not the Philippines or overseas. You're calling people actually in te Texas. www.energytexas.com or give them a call 855-461-1129 if you have a choice for your energy provider. All right, uh, Blake, let's get it going here. What, what are your burning questions? We're also going to take questions from fans. I want to mention that as well. But what are some of your burning questions right now as a fan of the Longhorns, someone that's uh, really been uh, keeping up? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, let's let's start off with, with just a general one. I mean, you know, Bobby, obviously you've had the the viewing windows that you've gotten to go see in person. I mean, you've talked to folks, as we all know. Of course, you've all read the same insider reports that we have over at InsideTexas.com. But, you know, I mean, based on all that and all that you've heard and everything, uh, what would you say the overall pulse of the team is right now? And how exactly does that differ from, you know, where we were a year ago today? That's a good question. I, I feel like, so there's more talent on the roster again. Um, it's just younger again. Um, and I, I say that in a, it's, I, I say that with a little reservation. And what I mean by that, there's not some of the maturity that I saw from Bijan uh, and from Roshan. I mean, J Jalen Ford's a leader and mm -hmm. he's an adult mature. Jordan Whittington's mature, but they're just not, they're not necessarily true alphas like Roshan was that wore it on his chest. So if I worry about anything in the locker room right now, it's about who is really going to be the leader of the team. 
Last year, it was really clear in the offseason yeah. who the leader of the team was. So that that's point one. Talent-wise, I mean, the freshman class is just – I mean, as good as the group of offensive linemen were last year, Blake, and you saw some of them uh, this year, everywhere you look, you just – it's Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore. It's Cedric Baxter. Um, it's, you know, Jaden Chapman and Peyton Kirkland looking really good. It's Sadir Mitchell, uh, Anthony Hill, and Leonga LaFowl looking good. Malik Maha. I mean, it, it's not my, – my point in this, in saying all of these guys, is that, you know, used to there would be two or three guys that you say, hey, those are the guys. Right now in this freshman class, it could be seven or eight. Um, and because of that, I think you're starting this process of uh, just – really upping the ante again in Austin. And that that's not any different than what happened a year ago when you saw all those guys come in. It's just now there keeps being more of them and the ante keeps being upped. It, it's, it's a, as a, as a guy that's covered Texas for a long time, it's not unlike Mac Brown after his first year where his talent was late. It, it wasn't, he had some talent when he got there. Casey Hampton, Sean Rogers, yeah, uh, Ricky Williams, um, Mike Williams was already on campus. Leonard Davis, those guys were all on campus. The difference he Texas didn't have that many guys when he got there, um, but Mac started building it, and you started seeing, oh wow, that's a guy that's going to mm-hmm. be two years time. You're going to go wow, you know. Th- that's where Steve Sarkeesian, I think, is going with this. And that's the only thing I can compare it to uh, because nobody, including Tom Herman, Charlie Strong, no one recruited as well across the board as Sarkeesian as other than Mac Brown uh, for Texas. Does that make sense? Definitely. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot just right off the bat here. I mean, last year, you know, we saw we saw Banks come in as a freshman. I mean, we all know what he did. So, you know, you obviously this incoming class is, is very talented, just as you said. If you had to pick one to make an impact this year, like we saw Banks with last year, not saying it has to be alignment or whatever, any position, who who would you say that person would be with this incoming class? I'd go with Jonte Cook. Um, uh, just I feel like wide, it's easier for wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I, I came close to saying Anthony Hill. But he's got people ahead of him right now, and it's a more nuanced position, I feel like. C.J. Baxter, I think that it's possible he's not physically ready um, in time for for uh, August, September. I mean, he's still – he is – he's a big guy, but he's still raw, Blake. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's He, he hasn't been in that super weight room – program like some of these guys like Anthony Hill at Denton Ryan, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. those, those guys come out a little bit more prepared, I think. Um, but I would probably go with Jonte Cook at this point. Uh, but knowing that uh, of all of the incoming guys, I would say Catalan, Jalen Catalan and uh, Gavin Holmes are definites, uh, the, yeah. the two DBs. And then A.D. Mitchell is, he's going to, he's going to have an impact as long as he's healthy. Yeah, and of course, you know, with Mitchell and Worthy, we'll also be able to take some of the pressure off of, of Cook as well. So I, I was kind of surprised by your answer, but the more you explained it, I, I definitely in agreement with you. Who, who are you thinking that I would say? 
I was I was really thinking Baxter. You know, I, I thought that especially with the running back position kind of open the way it is that that he might be one that uh, that you throw out there. But I, I like your cook answer for sure. It, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, Baxter is extraordinarily talented. So there's no two ways about that. Um, the question is, is he going to be able to pass protect? I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't have to do that in high school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, is is he going to know all the little things? And I actually think that the running back room is a little healthier than maybe what people give it credit for. Jonathan Brooks is a true number one running back. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not Bijan Robinson. But he's a true number one. I mean, he'd be a number one back at just about every other team, I think, in the conference as I'm yeah. thinking through it. I mean, I'd take I him over Baylor's guy that's returning. I'd take him over Tech's guy that's returning. Uh, TCU guy's left. Uh, Oklahoma, d- definitely over the Oklahoma guy. Definitely over the Oklahoma State guy. He's a, I mean, he's, you know, he's the top <laughs> running back in the league potentially or right now. He doesn't have the – Stats to back that up. So I think he's a true number one. That's first thing about Baxter that you have to realize. And then the second thing, the addition of Savion Red uh, yep. to the running back room gives them a depth and a physicality maybe that uh, that others will want to imitate. Um, mm-hmm. And that and, and Eric Naline, our publisher at Inside Texas, does a did a good job of explaining this the other day. It's you know if anybody's going to take that that knock them back kind of attitude to the running back room. It's Savion red mm-hmm. um, because he just has that. I mean, it's, just, uh, it's how the kids built mentally, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not, it has nothing to do. It's just like how Roshan, you can try to teach Roshan Johnson leadership characteristics, but it, he came out with a lot of them, right? Definitely. Savion red is not necessarily that leader guy as much as his contact does not bother him. Like he's, mm-hmm. That's what he likes, you know? <laughs> and so if that's the Texas guy there, then what, where is CJ Baxter really fit? Um, I don't know. I, I, but I, I'm certainly high on his long-term prospects for long haul. Well, you know, kind of piggybacking off that question. I mean, it's obviously a good problem to have having all that talent at one position. Uh, but, you know, obviously you can't have five running backs on the field at one time. So h- how do you see that playing out this season? And, you know, and especially in the era of the transfer portal, keeping everybody happy while, you know, feeding enough carries, but feeding the hot hand too. I mean, what, what, what do you think Sark's thought process is there? Um, you know, I think that, I think he thinks that there's going to be attrition at the spot uh, mm-hmm. because Trey Wisner is coming in too uh, yeah. in, in the spring or in the summer, excuse me. Um, and I don't think he feels wrong about that. Uh, I think that he's he, he's got an idea of, of what's going on there. And, you know, if one guy leaves, that that's probably about right. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to go at one point this this uh, fall. They were going to look at a running back in the portal because they thought Jaden Blue might transfer. He had told people that he was going to and then yep. backed away from that, <laughs> which is great. I mean, he's having a great spring. Um, but. You know, I don't think they're going to look at the portal right now because they like Savion Red, they like C.J. Baxter, and they definitely like Keelan Robinson and uh, Jonathan Brooks. The, the question is whether or not Jaden Blue it, it really sticks with it and really has improved as much as we're hearing that he's he's making a good looking back right now. So uh, I, I think the portal is going to play a role. 
uh, but maybe on a way out, not so much on a way in. We just don't know yeah. who it might be. Well, uh, you know, like, well, like we talked about running back, there's some, there's a spot up for grab or two. Uh, of course, I know, I think it was Ian Boyd who had the article on wheel linebacker on inside Texas the other day. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there, there's some spots or positions rather uh, that are, that are up for grabs, but in, in your opinion, what do you think is the most important spot up for grabs and why do you feel that way? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, um, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't say cornerback because I think, but I think Gavin Holmes is going to secure that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking at the guards, the offensive guards is maybe the most important because if either Neto Umiozulu or DJ Campbell beat out Hayden Connor and or Cole Hudson, whatever uh, permutation it is. Yeah. Well, they're replacing 13-game starters. That means you think your offensive line is going to be better than it was last year with new with a different makeup. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I, I think that a great offensive line at Texas is not going to happen this year. I think it's going to be good. I think a great offensive line is potentially possible with the guys they've got in the program. Yeah. I mean, a real, real national level strength, not just run blocking, but pass blocking too. I mean, they've got the dudes. So for me, I'm looking for those guys that may have more upside to see if they come out and do it. Now um, you mentioned weak side linebacker. Uh, That's another one. I think the Jack, if it's going to be justice Finkley, can he rush the pastor? Um, I worry about that more than I think about it, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. um, I know that I know the pieces that are there. Somebody has to step up. I don't know that the answer is there is the problem. Whereas on the offensive line, I think they have a chance to be like a dare to be great situation, staring them in the face. Um, Jake Majors is a three-year, three-and-a-half-year starter, Blake. Mm-hmm. And he may be the weak link of the offensive line. Yeah. And that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> let, let's, let's be, I mean, I'm not trying to, and, and I like Jake as a player, so I'm not, it's just that's opponents yeah. may see Jake majors as the weak link of the offense, the Texas offensive line, not the Texas coaches per se. Mm-hmm. And that just to me speaks volumes about where that offensive line might be going. Because if Cole Hudson, for example, comes back and really starts getting work at center, um, I'm not saying he takes over for Jake Majors in year one, but man, they they've got talent there that just um that are real, real players. I mean, Cole Hudson moves people yeah. in the run game. And if if they could get a center, like Jake Majors is really good on stretch plays, but not really good moving people up front in, in the zone, mm-hmm. power zone stuff. And so if they could get a guy, a center that could do that. 
you're just talking about, I mean, that's like, that's Steve Sarkeesian's wheelhouse, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where he would be looking for, you know, to, to make his money. So I, I feel like, uh, I feel like that's probably the position. There are other positions out there that you, you mentioned the weak side linebacker role. I mean, David Benda, Maurice Blackwell, mm. Anthony Hill. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm open uh, for those guys. I, I, I would have to think that Benda gets the first shot because he's a fourth year senior and been in the program uh, at the same time. He's, he's not been a plus player to this point. So. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we talked about some of the incoming freshmen. Of course, we talked about the transfers. Um, you know, last year we saw Christian Jones take that huge step and become, you know, from what he was to what he became last year. Um, and I know you've already thrown out some names here, but if you have a certain player in mind that you feel or maybe, you know, based on what you've heard uh, that you feel is going to take that step like Jones did last year, that's more of a, you know, an upperclassman that's hasn't really impacted this team too much. But, you know, maybe this season is the year for them. Um, so I would put Jalen Ford in that same category last year, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he kind of came out of nowhere. Like, he, you knew he was going to start, but you didn't know. Yeah, you didn't expect he, him he, to do that. He had, <laughs> he had zero tackles against New Mexico State and yeah. then led the team with 110 or something. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, um, and another guy that had a really good year last year, but it was more quiet, was uh, Bug. Uh, they call him Bug. Jaron Thompson, mm -hmm. uh, the safety. I could see him with the addition of Catalan becoming a better player. That makes sense. Um, because as Anthony Cooks was a solid safety this past year, um, really laid the wood on some, some run plays, but was deficient at times in the past, past game. Catalan is, he, he has the chance to allow Jaron Thompson to be a little more instinctual. Yeah. as a tandem, uh, if that makes sense. And um, so if, if I were to point to anybody right now, it may be that. I think everybody is talking already about Alfred Collins and Tavondre Sweat. Um, Alfred Collins has had a great spring, according to insights, not just from people that uh, watch practice, but some sources inside uh, the locker room. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you want to say those guys, but – I hesitate there because um, you kind of expect that out of sweat and Collins is a guy that has been all talent the whole way, you know, and you've always mm -hmm. expected more. Uh, Bug is a little bit different in that he's a, he, he's a guy that's a known quantity that I, I think still has a little something extra to him, even though he's not the greatest athlete or anything like that. If he just gets paired with the right guy, all of a sudden he's able to, to freelance a little bit more himself. Um, so that, that's the one that uh, I think, and, and plus I think that they're going to be better at corner this year and that's going to help him. You know, he's yeah. not, you know, he's not going to have to worry about getting beat deep as much. Uh, I don't think. So those are, those are the ones, I mean, it's, it's a good football. It's a good roster. Um, Steve Sarkeesian's done a good job of constructing it late. Well, uh, you know, spring game, a little, little over two weeks away. What, I think on the April 15th, if memory serves me correctly. Yep. Uh, so, you know, Bobby, for you, what will you be looking at at the spring game to, you know, 
to make you say, hey, it's going to be a good season? Like what's something that, you know, that you want to take away from watching uh, what they do here in a couple weeks that's going to make you feel better about this fall? Quarterback play has to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so has, has, I mean, look, Quinn Ewers, we all think Quinn Ewers could be a 10 as a quarterback. Definitely. We probably got him as a four or a five last year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so is he going to be an eight and a 10, maybe 10 years down the road though? Yeah. I mean, he's got that much, his talent goes, you know, it goes <laughs> to 11. actually, yeah. right? And so the, the question is, is Quinn going to be an eight, a seven, or could he even inch up to be like an eight, five mm-hmm. and as a sophomore that, so if if I if I if he if I come out of this spring game think oh man he's definitely a seven or an eight next year, that that's a ten win team uh, for Texas, um, and then the other piece is just a pass rush, which we won't see much in the spring game. Yeah, uh, but uh, those two elements they get better quarterback play, better pressure on the passer from the outside. I mean, I there's gonna be it's gonna be hard finding guys that are better than them in my opinion, in this conference. Uh, but but we'll see. Uh, I think I'm, I'm interested. We're going to try to get together down there for, so everybody knows uh, about uh, that. We're going to try to get together before the spring game in Austin. It doesn't look like they're going to have any more spring practices, Blake, that are open to the viewing public gotcha. um, until, the spring, until the spring game. Last year, they did it a little bit differently. They had an open practice for all the fans. Uh, but uh, in talking to some people yeah. behind the scenes, they're not sure they're going to do that this year. Uh, so I want to get that news and note out to people as well. Uh, Blake, let me ask you uh, something. Uh, you know, yeah. you you read all the articles, you hear all the things. Your perception of the team from a fan's perspective, like where do you think this team should be? Do you think it's competing for the Big 12 championship next year? Is that is that how kind of you read what we're talking about here? And and or or is it they're a shoe in for the Big 12 championship? Or is it oh they're going to fight to get in? I mean, where 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 do you perceive that to be I, I think the talent level is there for you know I want to say shoe in but then I, I the past decade or more has get also get, you know immediately gives you pause to even say anything's a shoe in anymore um but I, I'm kind of with you I mean I, I really think it comes down to quarterback play um and you know con- a consistent quarterback play I guess I should say good consistent quarterback play uh, and I feel like if, if they do get that, then, yeah, the sky should be the limit. Uh, of course, there's some other factors that go in there as well. Uh, consistency on defense, consistent pass rush, you know, things like that uh, that you also mentioned. But I, I really do think so much of this upcoming season does hinge on what we get from from viewers uh, and, you know, who knows? Hopefully, I I, I do think that they should at the very least compete for the big 12 title. I mean, like I said, the talent is there pretty much across the board. Um, you know, they, he's had a couple of recruiting classes now that he can lean on transfer portal. Obviously has been huge with some of the additions. Uh, but really, you know, I think it it all comes down to quarterback play just, you know, pretty much like with any team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, Kansas state has the quarterback coming back, Kansas state, Texas tech. Those are the two other teams that have real quarterbacks coming back. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's different uh, in that they're such a system offense and they have a real quarterback coming back as well. Let's go to the uh, the, the uh, questions here. 
Blake, if you'll uh, oblige me. It seems like from Justin Yarbrough with a super chat, seems like Vosick, Colton Vosick, the true freshman, is having a solid spring, Bobby. Do you see, still see him going inside like an Alfred Collins type position? And could Watts play corner and safety as a way to use his versatility? Um, Vosick is definitely only playing outside right now. He's not big enough to go inside. Uh, he doesn't have that frame. He's more lanky, angular. Uh, he's not quite as angular as Ethan Burke. So, which is just really, really thin guy. Um, but uh, I, I think that Vosick long-term stays outside. I think that the the issue with Vosick is I think he's a second or third year player because he needs some seasoning mm-hmm. physically. Like he's just, I mean, guy, it takes a while to play college football. Um, right. And so uh, I think he needs some seasoning. As far as Ryan Watts is concerned, he is only working at corner at this time. Uh, Terrence Brooks is going to push for that position because I think Gavin Holmes right now is close to locking down the the boundary corner, or excuse me, the the uh, field corner uh, position. Uh, so it, it could be. I know everybody was saying, "Hey, Ryan Watts had a great year." I'm telling you, they've got some guys back there. Austin Jordan's playing well. Jade Barron. I mentioned Catalan, who's still uh, on the shelf a little bit, but Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford's back. Michael Tapp. They got some guys. Uh, you just got to figure out who and all of what that is about. Uh, all right, before I get to uh, uh, other questions here, I, I want to go ahead and uh, say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, well, oh, all right, never mind. I'll say thank <laughs> you to our sponsor in a second, but they're really important too. Uh, Matt Hutchison, our producer. He's <laughs> what would what would an, this is from Longhorn? What would an OL look like with Kelvin Banks, Hayden Connor, Cole Hudson, Cam Williams, Christian Jones? as the best for 2023 um you're leaving out hey you're leaving out dj campbell you're leaving out uh jake majors who has three and a half years of starting experience uh you're leaving out neto umiozulu um that that's look uh chris cam williams could be a monster guard like i i'll put it this way I would put I would rather put him at left guard next to Kelvin Banks and completely own a potential side <laughs> of the football team. I mean, so I think about that. But they're making they're they're working him at right guard so that the switch to right tackle, the, the calls are still the same a little bit, right? A little bit different situation. But my point being, uh he, he's still drinking from a fire hose as far as learning college football, all of that stuff. He's been in the program a year now, so don't, I'm not, or almost a year. Uh, but it, it's it's one of those things. I just don't know how DJ Campbell, um, who uh, I talked about people moving people, Cole Hudson moves people. Mm-hmm. DJ Campbell, when he gets his arms on you, you're pretty much toast. I mean, <laughs> he's really, really, because he's so athletic. I mean, moves his moves his uh, butt so well, you know, to kind of angle people out. And then he's got such torque. I mean, um, I don't know. I Look, I don't know how they're going to end up. Uh, the odds are they go with what brought them last year, if you really want to know the truth. Uh, but that doesn't mean that's the way it's going to end up because Kyle Flood uh, is known uh, for tinkering and, and really trying to find uh, the best group uh, in that in that as well. All right, I need to go ahead and uh, – how do I do that? I hide this and then I put 
the banner up for Energy Texas. Blake, <laughs> you're learning here with me. Uh, by the way, we're with Blake Monroe, a former writer for Inside Texas, Horns Illustrated, uh, Hook'em.com, a couple other places, uh, now in private business, but also doing a radio show up in Comanche, Texas. He's going to be our West Texas. Uh, <laughs> comparing the way Blake speaks to the way Justin Wells speaks, West <laughs> Texas versus East Texas, I think would be a, a good... Uh, mix here on this program. Uh, anyways, uh, this program live stream is brought to you by our friends at energytexas.com. Uh, if you're looking for an energy provider, uh, one that is Texas-based, Texas-sourced, and only uh, reliant on Texans, that is energytexas.com. Uh, 855-461-1129. Uh, give those guys a chance. They try to take care of people uh, in the cold, in the heat, they got. Uh, they are your energy solution. Um, all right, let's keep going to the questions. You ready for them? Uh, ready for them, Blake? I'm ready. All right. You want to read a couple of these whenever I put them up? Yeah. All right. Let's see what we got here. All right. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Here we go. All right, Aaron tell. Bryant getting noticed. Will he crack the top two DL rotation or be the fifth defensive lineman? Uh, great question. I think it's a chance. I think there is a chance because he is better against the run than Vernon Broughton. So I think the top three D top three interior right now. There's no doubt who it is. It's um, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins. That's how they would. That's how it would be right now. Fourth is Vernon Broughton, in my opinion. Fifth is Aaron Bryant. Sixth is uh, Sadir Mitchell. Um, because Aaron Bryant is more consistent against the run than Vernon Broughton, I think Vernon Broughton's a little bit on notice. He has to have a good spring and a good summer uh, mm -hmm. to make this a, a reality for himself. Uh, so I, I feel like that's, that's probably where it's at. All right, I'm going to take this next one. Uh, thanks for the question there, Mock. Uh, gamers life. Can Bobby please explain the moments car hit that circus three and the half court shot from Allen? What was it like being in the, the arena during those moments? Uh, I high fived with people that I didn't know. <laughs> that was, uh, I had my daughter with me for the game in Kansas city on uh, Saturday or excuse me on Friday night. Uh, and she does not go to Texas, uh, but she's a college student. And she was like, we don't do this at my school. You know, <laughs> she was, she was like, this is crazy. And she was having a lot of fun. Uh, people in front of us were, uh, were rowdy. People behind us were rowdy. We had a couple of Xavier fans in our ears uh, from a couple rows back that didn't like the guys that were standing up the entire game. Uh, it was a fun, fun uh, atmosphere. Kansas City is a nice little venue for basketball. Um, they actually have a nice little area called the Power and Light District uh, that is right next to the arena. So you walk out and go to a sports bar, you know, within 15 seconds, you walk out of there and you're immediately in a big cavernous sports bar, a little plaza. Uh, that's a fun place to go. Huh. All right, go ahead. 
All right. Swanson large enough to play defensive line, or is he more of a defensive end for Mr. Uh, Snell? Yeah, um, he's he's uh, playing tackle right now, uh, but they've got to get him bigger. They have got to get him bigger. All right, we're taking more questions here. Uh, I'm with uh, Bobby Burton. I'm with Blake Monroe. Uh, Blake is joining us. He's going to be doing some videos with us from here on out, we hope. Uh, we can keep keep him in there if y'all you guys like him okay and uh, aren't too slow oh wait i gotta i gotta do this one yeah i, I did when did you, you were talking earlier one, that's why i was laughing <laughs> <laughs> because i saw that <laughs> blake reminds me of matthew mcconaughey that voice i bet he gets a laugh after reading this 100 correct i did laugh we're gonna tell your wife that you're also just got compared to matthew mcconaughey <laughs> I'll be I'll be sure to screenshot that and yeah. send it out here shortly. It will be the only time in your life, by the way, Blake. <laughs> so I, I think that's will uh, going from there. All right, uh, please get your questions in. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more here tonight. We've got about uh, 30, uh, 15 to twenty-five minutes uh, left in the show. Uh, feel free to to uh, get some questions in. Uh, Matt, our producer. Oh, Matt, our producer will help me uh, get some stuff going on the, on the uh, show as well. Uh, let's do this. Um, 28 Jalopy. Does Alfred Collins finally have a breakout year? Um, boy, <laughs> Blake, what do you, you know, tell me how I know what I, what I know and what I hear behind the scenes. But when you see that question as someone that's not necessarily ingrained in the program, but someone that is from afar, what are your thoughts when you think of Alfred Collins and, and that situation? Well, you know, I mean, obviously he came in high expectations. Uh, we've seen flashes of, of greatness. And then we've seen periods of, you know, not nothing, but just not the level of play you would have expected by some of the hype coming in. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I would like to think so based on some of the stuff that I've, that I've read uh, over, you know, at Inside Texas and, you know, have discussed with people. But I would have a hard time saying yes or no to that one. I, I'm more of a, I guess, in wait and see mode, but it, it sure seems like if it's, you know, if the light's going to come, come on, the time is now. Yeah. Jerry and Eric call it their contract year. Yeah. That's what Alfred Collins is going through. It's his contract year. All right. From inside the building, they are thrilled with his, with the early returns of spring. Uh, that's news. That's what I can say. What does that mean, though? Because they've been thrilled with him at times before. Yeah. <laughs> because they first saw him and they're like, oh, my God, this guy's potential first round draft pick. And then he didn't play like it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, be careful of over, oh, you know, of over expectations there uh, because he's he's kind of burned you before. Yeah. Um, and so I think they're taking uh, there. Anybody would take that as a uh, hey, we got to figure this out kind of situation. All right, let's go to Bristol Wilhelm. Uh, what's up with Jalen Gilbo? I feel like I never hear about him, and he started as a freshman. How is his recovery going? Is he going to start next year? Possibly. Um, so Gilbo is out for spring because of a knee injury, Blake. Mm -hmm. um, and he is he, he's not returning, not uh, taking part in workouts, et cetera. Um, that's one of the reasons why you never hear about him. He did start as a freshman. He showed what Jalen showed in my opinion, that is very, very rare for a freshman is very, very strong instincts for mm -hmm. football. 
Like uh, he made a couple of plays that some adults don't make, right? Yeah. Um, simply because he understood what was happening behind him and what was happening in front of him. Um, so I'm very high on him as a player, uh, but I don't see him. He played star last year. I don't see him overtaking Jade Barron for the starting role there mm-hmm. because Jade Barron's not moving. I mean, he he had a all Big 12 caliber season last year. Um, and so I, Jalen is going to be a guy that I think is in the rotation. I don't think Jalen's the guy, uh, especially coming off uh, of a, uh, uh, a, a knee uh, issue like he had. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you like, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Blake, did you feel a difference? And this is just something I've been thinking about a lot. Did you feel a difference last year when they went in, in the Alamo Bowl, when they went three wides with Quinn Ewers? Or was that just me and Eric and, and those guys, Paul Wadlington, making a mountain out of a molehill? Did you feel and see a different Quinn Ewers as a fan? Or did you say, say oh, he's the same guy a little bit? No, I, I, I'm in agreement with that. You know, I, I felt like there was more of a – maybe a comfortableness level there, uh, you know, for whatever reason that may be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that there was, you know, you, you could tell for sure that it, it just seemed like it, it kind of fell into place for him, you know, it, I guess for lack of better terms, uh, mentally or whatever it may be. He just seemed and looked and felt uh, more comfortable with what he was doing. Yeah. I, I I felt like I it's like when I was talking about going from a four or five to a seven or eight or whatever in his development process, I felt like that it, it's almost like when he had two tight ends, he felt he had to be too perfect. Mm-hmm. And when he had three wide receivers, he felt like he could sling it a little bit more. Yeah. Um that 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 may be what I would take away from that. All right. Uh, going on this, this is from Soccer Prize. What do y'all think about the refs in the Miami game? Blake, what do you think? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> the, the first half, I thought, was was pretty good overall. I mean, not too many complaints. The second half, it, hey, <laughs> it's just, I mean, there was a lot of things that I thought were very questionable. I'm not, like, usually a, a blame the refs guy. I got some friends that are refs at different levels, and so, like, I get their point of view, and so I try not to be that guy. But you can't, I don't think anybody can watch both halves and say one half was ref the same as the next. You know what I mean? Like there there was just a lot of questionable things, a lot of things that I personally didn't agree with. And and in a game like that, especially with all that on the line, you know, way different than a regular season game, I, I you got to kind of let it play. And when you're interrupting the flow of the game like that, I mean, and that's in any sport, it's not just basketball. But with the constant calls, it it does interrupt the flow and, you know, how teams get into a groove and things like that. And so it I'm not saying that it 100 percent impacted, but there was definitely somewhat of an impact there. Well, Miami did not put the ball in the hole outside of free throws in the last four minutes. And there's that, too, (laughs) Uh, you know, and so uh, I felt like there were some calls that could have been made for Texas Um, at, at the same time. Man, and I will say this about the Big 12, okay? They play that really heavy physical defense, Mm -hmm. whereas the ACC does not. They just don't play that real. And I I feel like the NCAA tournament always errs 
on the sides of those non-physical defenses because it's almost like the refs like to take control of the games and how they're played and the cleanliness of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, Texas, Texas definitely the, the outcome of the game was definitely affected by the refs. I don't know how much, uh, but the style of refereeing was more the issue in the second half than it was in the first. I mean, uh, what, 27 free throws to 10? Was that the final count? Yeah, it was somewhere uh, right around there for sure. Yeah, um, and so I, I definitely ha- think it had a, a uh, effect. All right, next question. Um, if Savion Red, this is from East 8th, thanks for the question, guys. Um, if Savion Red can block out of the backfield, you end up with two pieces in he and Whittington that create amazing opportunities to create mismatches, mismatches in skill and leverage. Fits perfect with all our motion. That's why they did it. I mean, I'm convinced that I think that may be why they took him in the first place um, back two years ago, East eighth, uh, because they look, he, what did he play in high school? He played receiver. He played running back. He played quarterback <laughs> everywhere. He, I mean, he played some defense. I mean, mm-hmm. Savion was a one man wrecking. I mean, he's the, Savion read that people just don't realize Graham, you've covered high school football, mm-hmm. Grand Prairie, excuse the term typically sucks. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, in their district, I mean, I'm not trying to say anything bad I about mean, the team. I get what you're saying completely. Yeah. Yeah. He was the district MVP. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that doesn't happen. I mean, he led them to the, to the playoffs. That, that does not happen. Um, and so I feel like uh, if, if you ask me about Savion Red. I, I think that they've had him pinpointed for this type of role from, from get-go. They just wanted to see if he really was that kind of guy once they got him on campus. I tell you, Bobby, I saw him play, I think, once. And who he reminded me of um, going back many years ago, and I'm not saying from like a skill set level, but just the guy that can do it all that never came off the field was uh, James Washington. You know, they went, ended up going to Oklahoma State. Of course, Texas looked at him for a little bit as corner. Then he went there for receiver, but he was he was a player like that that did it never came off the field. I mean, he was the quarterback. He sometimes was the running back, wide receiver, you know, uh, punt returner, the kicker. And so that that when I saw uh, Red in person a couple of years ago, that's exactly where my mind went because he was just kind of a do it all physical guy that could handle you know handle that load. Yeah, and he's not he's different than James Washington. James is more of a flyer type. Athlete, yeah, yeah, right. Red is more space quickness, like, you know, make you miss in a phone booth. Washington's like, I'll fly by you. Yeah, yeah. And so skill set, obviously a little bit different, but, you know, they both have that mindset of I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's one of the things you, you mentioned that you're from out in West Texas, uh, Blake. Um, and one of the things I used to talk about is how smaller school kids play more positions. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's a real benefit. It's rare for a 5A, 6A kid yeah. like Red uh, to play those, you know, and, and I think that's uh, something to be uh, noticed as well. All right. Uh, good question there, East 8th. Uh, this from C-Note. Uh, will Derek Williams, the uh, freshman, uh, true freshman safety out of New Iberia, Westgate, Louisiana, be ready to compete for a starting spot midseason? And will Catalan start by the Alabama game? So I'm going to say this, Catalan's going to start day, day one if he's healthy. Um, he's a three-year starter at Arkansas. 
I think he was all big, all SEC as a true freshman. The dude's going to start at Texas <laughs> if if he's available, um, if the shoulders is healthy and everything. Will Derek Williams be ready to compete compete for a starting spot? I don't know. Um, I the Derek Williams and and Jerry mentions this a lot. Michael Griffin and um, Steve Sarkeesian both said Derek Williams has first round potential. They didn't say that. Michael Griffin didn't say that about anybody else in that recruiting class. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian may have, you know. Um, but what you don't know on all safeties until you really see him play a team that just throws it around the yard with efficiency is how well they play in pass coverage. What are the, what are their, uh, what are the chinks in their armor, right? Mm -hmm. What are, where do they, can he, can he backpedal fast enough? Is he only good coming down fast? And so until you see him do that C note, I don't know. We've seen some of it in high school football, but nothing like the caliber of, of quarterbacks on a regular basis and passing schemes like you'll see in college football. And so that's why I've got some questions, I guess, uh, for that one. All right, uh, next one uh, from Freelance Society. What defense will give Texas the hardest time this season? They should score on everyone. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I, I will say this. Um, the reason that they might be able to score on – I think it'll be Alabama. Yeah, that was going to be my answer. Um, but <laughs> that's because Alabama has more talent than Texas mm -hmm. still. Right. Um, even though they graduate, they're going to graduate like three first round picks and still be more talented than Texas. I mean, um, but in in conference, you know, I thought I thought Texas Tech gave them problems last year late um, with some of the things they did with the false fronts. Um, but I, I want to say this with a experienced, a more experienced offensive line a lot of those things are taken off the table. And as Texas has more experience on the offensive front this year, Blake, I, 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 I'm not saying they're going to roll over everybody or any of this stuff. TCU gave them problems. Yeah. That's a, they'll be good again next year. Um, but when you start having more experience along the offensive front and a quarterback with more experience, some of those things, those gimmicks that people do, they wilt away. Uh, Stetson Bennett made TCU's defense look like Swiss cheese yeah. <laughs> because it wilted away in front of them. Mm -hmm. And the offensive line wilted it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it wasn't because TCU suddenly had different players on the field. Yeah. And I, so we'll see. I mean, I think it's a good question. I agree. All right. Um, Blake, you have anything you want to ask? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we've talked about, well, I tell you what, Bobby, before I move on to some of the defensive questions, I want to go back to Quinn Ewers real quick. Cause I know we talked about him right before we started taking the user questions. Um, and I, I know y'all kind of touched base on this, you know, at InsideTexas.com with the insider reports and stuff, but what would you say the biggest difference is, you know, from what you've heard and from what you've also seen uh, with your own eyes in Quinn this spring compared to where he was coming into the program last year? Number one thing I noticed first practice was he's lighter on his feet. He looked bouncier, like a bouncier athlete. Mm -hmm. And that means he's 
he's taking off-season workouts seriously. Because he's already – I mean, people don't know. Quinn Ewers, I mean, he go jump and hit his helmet on the crossbar. Yeah. I mean, he can do that kind of – he's athletic. Now, he's not these NBA athletes, you know, that <laughs> dunk their head over the crossbar. But but he's still very, very athletic. Um, But he seemed lighter on his feet, maybe lost or re reapportioned some weight mm -hmm. um, that made me think he's taking the, the off season seriously. That was the number one thing. I, I literally walked out of there and I called, uh, I called Eric and Jerry and told them, Hey, he's a little different. He, he's slimmed down a little bit. Um, in fact, the two guys that I said that about uh, were him. And then I said it about Baron Sorrell, but not the slimming down part. I was like, I just saw you three months ago, dude. You're not supposed to be. I mean, right. I mean, it's like yeah. I see my kid every three months or so from, from college. She changes, right? Yeah. Um, but the guy that she doesn't change that much, you know, and Baron Sorrell, I'm telling you, he's made it. He's transformed his body. And it's just been over time, consistency. Uh, but that was the number one thing I mentioned. I saw from Quinn Ewers. I saw an athlete looking more like an athlete as opposed to a plotting quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. Definitely. Should, should help his footwork. Yeah, it really should, you know. Well, uh, kind of switching gears there, going to the defense, you know, I mean, overall they, they played fairly well last season. Do you feel like that success will be repeated, improved, or a drop-off, and why? I think it's going to be a little bit of – I'm not as high – I think there would be a little bit of a drop off. Um, and I, I say that because I think Coburn and Ojomo, Ojomo especially, mm -hmm. provided Texas with more um, versatility. They could play him outside if they wanted to, and still he'd be an NFL player in, in rush three. Um, uh, but I mean, it, it, it also, DeMarvian Overshone was such a unique player. Yeah. But even though I, I was one of DeMarvian's harshest critics, you know, behind the scenes because he, he got caught in the wash and run support so much. Mm -hmm. But then he made up for it sometimes by just making plays that nobody else on the field can make. Yeah, just freak plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just it's like, okay, I know you just got – killed by that guard on the play before, but you just covered that guy in the flat and almost made an interception. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no other linebacker on the team is going to do that. Um, and so those two guys more than even Coburn and Coburn was a, a steadying presence on the interior. Um, though, even though you're adding Gavin Holmes, you're adding Jalen Catalan. Uh, I, I, I feel like, I feel like the defense could, could, Take not a step back, but a step sideways. I don't expect them to be a, a lot better next year. Right? About the same. I also think that schools' uh, opponents now have a better idea of what Pete Kwiatkowski wants to mm -hmm. do on defense. Yep. Uh, because he switched it up quite a bit from year one to year two. And so now they have a full offseason to deal with that. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. So out of out of Catalan and Holmes, you know, on the defensive side, who who do you feel is going to have? Let's say a help if 
Catalong, knock on wood, stays healthy all season long. Who, which of those two players has the biggest impact? If they stay healthy, Catalong. That's what I, yeah, I agree too. Yeah, I, I do say this. I mean, the thing that, that Gavin Holmes brings that neither Deshaun Jameson nor Ryan Watts brought is he actually has the speed to stick with a guy like Xavier Worthy downfield. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's the guy's name at Kansas State? Julius Brent? Yeah. That's the, the went in the going in the league. Mm-hmm. That kind of guy where he can run downfield and he's big enough, lanky enough to still, you know, he can be the fly in the ointment downfield. Um, in, in, in Watts can't cover downfield like that. That's why he's in the boundary in the first place. And Jamison, he, he got outsized uh, too often. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was behind a step, his arms weren't long enough to really make it up. Whereas Gavin Holmes has long arms. Yeah. Uh, but Catalan, I mean, you don't get – it's like taking Jalen Ford off this defense. I mean, Jalen Ford had, what, five – four or five interceptions last year? Yep. Catalan had five interceptions as a true freshman. <laughs> I mean, that's – you don't – I mean, you may walk into two or three a year, but five is a – you're yeah. doing something right. Um, and so I, I feel – I I love both of those pickups, by the way. I, I almost – the only, the only problem with with it is uh, I do think that it's possible that Catalan is fool's gold because of the injury. Yes, that that'd be my main concern too. Yeah, that's it. All right, let me uh, let me do one more thing real quick with uh, uh, our uh, sponsor, Energy Texas. Thanks everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, we still got a few more questions to go to and, and discussions, but I want to say thank you to our sponsor, EnergyTexas.com. Uh, if you're from Texas and have an opportunity to switch your energy provider, you might want to give energytexas.com a look. Uh, They are from Texas, built and born uh, and uh, raised and are doing it the right way. If you call their uh, customer service center, it's not in the Philippines. It's not back east. It's in Texas. Uh, They will give you uh, their lowest rate possible uh, and get you on your way uh, to a better energy experience. Uh, Energy Texas, the guys are fighting big power. 855-461-1111. Uh, Blake, let me ask you a question here. Um, You have been watching Texas for the last five or six years uh, as a fan. Before that, you were doing it professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think from, you know, you've went through the tail end of the Mac Brown era, Mm -hmm. saw Charlie Strong, saw Tom Herman. Now you see Steve Sarkeesian. Um, What do you see about Steve Sarkeesian that you like? And what do you see that you maybe don't like or want to see more of? Well, the one thing that immediately stands out to me, and and you really touched base on it at the beginning of this, was the overall recruiting. Now, we saw good recruiting classes with Strong. We saw them, you know, with Herman. With Herman, it was more skill set players, whereas with Sark, it's, you know, across the board. You know, it's not just like, hey, here's a couple of good position groups that are, you know, high four-star, five-star talent. Uh, I mean, he's reeling in like elite talent, you know, pretty much across the board. There's no position that's really just, you know, pushed to the side, I guess. And, and I think I feel like we saw that, uh, especially during the Tom Herman era with, you know, offensive line recruiting being a huge one right there. Um, so to me, that that stands out as something that bodes well, that sets him up well in the future. Uh, as far as dislikes or, you know, something that I think needs more attention. 
I don't know. That's a that that's a tough one. Um, that's something I'd probably have to really sit there and and think about. Um, I mean, obviously, there's some things, game management, things like that, that I haven't always agreed with. Uh, but you know, then again, that's that's going to be with any coach. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I almost feel like I'd be nitpicking, you know, to say some of the game management stuff. I, mean, I think uh, wins and losses is a fair critique. Yeah, <laughs> you know, obviously, you're going to want more more wins, uh, but each year he's building on it thus far. I mean, granted, we've only had two year sample size. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like with Sark, the program is in a much better place than it's been in a long time. And it's I, healthier. I, yeah, a, across the board, you know, not just not just saying like the position deal, but just overall, you know, I mean, even going back to the end of the Mac Brown era, like you said, which I was there for 2009, you know, covering them then. Um, it just seems more well-rounded, you know, like get you, whether that's using resources, recruiting, you know, whatever it may be, it seems like he's really leaving no stone unturned. Yeah. He definitely is, is a guy that's all about talent acquisition. I mean, mm -hmm. he really believes you win that way. Uh question from Ray. Thank you for the super chat. That's really nice of you, man. Uh question for both of you, which position group are you most excited about this coming season and why? Appreciate everything y'all do at InsideTexas.com. Uh, we thank you too. Right. Uh, go, Blake, you start with that one and, okay. and you take it. Which one are you most excited about this coming season? Man, really, I think it's wide receiver for me. Uh, I mean, who doesn't like a high-flying offense? You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it was uh, so many times just worthy last season. Uh, and we saw how that, you know, was kind of iffy at times. But now, I mean, you got the portal edition of Mitchell that we talked about. That's huge. Uh, talking about some of the incoming freshmen, Whittington's back for another year. So, I mean, you kind of got a loaded talent, uh, you know, lots of talent in that room right now. Granted, some of it's unproven as they're incoming freshmen, but it, the pieces are there to really make that thing click if, once again, the quarterback play is there to make it click. But to me, that's like one that I'm really excited about, you know, keeping my eyes on and seeing how exactly that's going to play out. Because you have so many versatile playmakers that can do so many different things at that spot. Yeah, um, I agree. I think they're the sexiest position. Uh, the one I'm most excited about, though, is probably the most unsexy, and that's offensive line. <laughs> I mean, you got five starters back. Yeah. I mean, and also all you're going to do is improve. I mean, that, I mean, you're not going to get worse. And, and so if somebody takes, like I said, somebody takes somebody's job. It's a good I thing. Mean, <laughs> I mean, what the heck? I mean, I, I feel like, you know, that, that has to be like, if, and particularly this, I, I don't think people realize this, like, like you mentioned wide receivers and we've seen the great thing about Steve Sarkeesian. He can scheme guys open. Yeah. He, he, and that makes those wide receivers even better, right? But Definitely. at his base, he wants to beat you down with the run mm -hmm. first and then hit you over the top, right? And I, I, for me, it's the offensive line because I think that has that that is that that unit has a chance to carry Texas not just this year, but a year down the road and even maybe two. Yeah. Um, I know Kelvin Banks is likely, like Jerry said, he's the most sure three-year player Texas has had 
uh, in forever. And that includes B. John Robinson in some ways, you know, because he's mm -hmm. a running back. But but Kelvin Banks is probably gone. But still, they have enough in the tank if they can keep these guys that it could be a dominant position group for a long period of time. All right, appreciate this. One last question, guys, I think is, is all we have time for. Uh, and I'm going to try to get this uh, done. It's going to be from David Williams, one of my favorite posters uh, on uh, uh, Inside Texas. UT had two all Big 12 first-team linebackers last year. To make up for that loss, the weak side defensive end position has to finally improve su substantially. I really hope Jamon Tapp's explosiveness off the edge can benefit UT. David, I agree with you. Um, and that, I think that's, as Blake and I were talking today, or today and we've, we've talked otherwise, um, Jamon uh, is a possibility. Ethan Burke is a possibility. Uh, Justice Finkley is a possibility. The problem is none of those three are ideal today. Um, Finkley is probably the best against the run, but has is probably the least effective against the pass. Um, you know, for whatever reason, Tap is probably uh, the best combo of that, but he he's not necessarily super great at either yet. And then you have Burke, who I think is going to be the best pass rusher, but also can get blown off the ball by you know some some uh, smaller offensive line. Um, I, I feel like they have to make up for it. Um, they have to find a pass rush somewhere, some way. I, maybe it's the portal, uh, but I, I just don't trust the portal for pass rush talent. All right, Blake, dude, I appreciate you, bud. I don't know. Thank you. It's, it's been a blast. Been uh, I think the folks uh, probably enjoyed hearing a different voice than just <laughs> me and Jerry. Jerry joined us. If you missed it at the very front end jerry's at the mcdonald's all-american game where ron holland is at uh he joined us at the very beginning of the program uh but uh, that's going to do it for tuesday night's live stream thanks to energy texas for their sponsor blake monroe uh good first uh first go for you i'm bobby burton uh, we'll see you tomorrow i've got uh, eric nolene in the morning with state of the program we'll talk a little bit of spring practice from tuesday thanks <laughs>